You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to Domecast. This is Jordan Schrader. I'll be hosting today. And with me are Colin Campbell, Lynn Bonner, Will Dorn, and Craig Jarvis, all of the in and o. Uh, we're coming to you just before uh, Snowmageddon or Snowpocalypse or a SnowMG or uh, whatever else it's being labeled now, uh, which uh, has uh, caused the rescheduling of inaugural uh, plans for Governor Roy Cooper. Uh, and uh, uh, this was also the week that Cooper took office. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the cabinet announcements he's made over the last week and uh, other moves he's made filling out his administration. And then we'll talk about uh, some of his ambitious first moves, including saying that he's going to try to expand Medicaid uh, over the objections of Republicans. And we'll also talk about uh, some of the way that some of this, some of his administration uh, and his uh, interaction with the legislature is playing out in court. Uh, and of course, we'll have a headliner of the week. Uh, but let's start with how the uh, snow st- impending snowstorm that we think we're going to get has uh, disrupted the uh, start of Cooper's administration. Craig, take us through what's happened so far. Well, uh, it's been something close to chaos. The uh, impending snowstorm is, was building for last for most of the week, I guess, and and then on Thursday, the uh, the uh, inaugural committee announced that they were going to. Uh, move a lot of our, all of the outdoor events that had been planned on Saturday indoors. There was going to be kind of a main set of ceremonies, circumstances at, or ceremonies at the uh, outside the state archives building. They had some staging area built up for that. And around the corner on, uh, I forget which street, Wilmington maybe, they had a, uh, a scaffolding area set up for, the, for viewing the parade. And uh, there were going to be a number of things, kind of a long program actually, uh, including some uh, musical performance by the new governor's daughter, Claire uh, Cooper, and uh, reading by Bland Simpson, uh, the Red Claim Rambler guy. Anyway, all that was being mo- was was moved into the uh, Memorial Hall uh, uh, yesterday as a precaution to get out of the weather. But the weather just started getting worse and worse, and uh, and, and uh, there were still an, a separate a whole set of separate events sponsored by the Junior League centered around the, the big Saturday night ball at NC State uh, with a performance by the Avid brothers and a number of other things happening. Uh, and finally, just this morning, Friday morning, uh, the Junior League said, okay, we're not going to do anything on Saturday. Roads are going to be covered with who knows how much snow. So we've moved it to indoors this afternoon at the Marbles Museum. So uh, I don't know how the logistics of this actually work. It's something that Junior League spends two years working on Uh yeah, I think the the worst job in Raleigh right now is the junior league uh, ball organizers who had to figure out they're they're currently battling. I think the people who want refunds of their hundred and sixty dollar tickets for Saturday night because they're not planning to come to the Friday night rescheduled event. Um, I'm sure they have like insane amounts of vendors and caterers and stuff to juggle. So I I, I do not envy any of these people. So yeah, why wouldn't is... they just cancel this? 
uh, well, or postpone it until uh, you know, a lot of money's been spent. Yeah, v- so for, have been li- vendors have been lined up. Yeah, for the junior league, this is one of their biggest fundraising events they have every four years. Um, and so, obviously, the tickets are very expensive. It raises money for the group, but they've also spent you know probably tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, on all the different elements of this. And probably most of the contracts with these vendors can't really be rescheduled. It's, it's hard enough as it is to find space. Um, you know, Reynolds Coliseum, him obviously hosts the NC State women's basketball team, probably other weekends it's booked for that or, or other events. So uh, logistically, I, I think apparently they considered rescheduling, but it just was not going to work out. Cooper's got sort of competing roles here because he's trying to tell people to uh, be cautious, and then he's got this big shindig happening. Yeah, so. even though the shindig was not under his control, it still looked bad. And you were beginning to see this bubble up on Twitter last night that uh, how can the governor – be at a cocktail or whatever it is, a inaugural ball, dancing the night away while you know some degree of uh, disruption is going on outside with the weather. We've grown used to uh, Governor McCrory showing up at a number of storms. We've had one little natural crisis after another, so we've kind of got used to him donning on the green emergency shirt and you know, kind of reassuring the populace. Yeah, the, the don't put your stupid hat on advice that McCrory famously right. gave for a snowstorm several years right. ago. And that's been the governor's role is to sort of be the guy who says, hey, this is going to be dangerous. We want you to stay off the roads. Here's what the state is doing to make sure everything will be okay. And it, it certainly, certainly puts Cooper in a tough spot because he either has to snub the junior league if they go ahead with their events and just not show up to a party that's being held in his honor, or he shows up and, and part of it is, you know, the first dance with uh, with First Lady uh, Kristen or Kirsten Cooper, I believe is her name. Kristen. Kristen, yeah. Um, and having that on the 11 o'clock news next to, you know, the car wrecks that might be taking place for the storm would not be a good look for Cooper. So he is in a, in a really tough spot politically with, uh, with how he handles all this uh, stuff he's got to juggle. And it's always a little, uh, like you said, a balancing act because you can you make a lot of political capital on it too. It always looks good to be standing there in charge of something, and there are just kind of a lot of positives associated with that politically. But at the same time, we don't want to be too, uh, you know, uh, skeptical about that. It is a it is a role that uh, we turn to the governor to perform from time to time. And maybe this whole snow forecast will be a bust, and uh, everything will go off without a hitch. Um, Meantime, the governor actually, even though inauguration was scheduled for Saturday coming up, uh, he's already been in office since last Sunday. He took the oath of office just after midnight on the first day uh, he could possibly do it, New Year's Day. Uh, So, Craig, uh, what has Governor Cooper been up to in his first week? Well, he's, on the one hand, kind of been slow trickling out who are his cabinet people, his his appointments going to be. Um, admittedly, or, or he says they've had they had a lot of distractions, um, fighting the campaign, winning the campaign, fighting the post campaign legal battles, special sessions of the legislature. So that's why he isn't waltzing in with a full cabinet. He's only chosen three so far, so uh, they, that's kind of slow. Two of the two of his choices are kind of insidery people, I think. Uh, but at the same time, the flip side is he's kind of coming out swinging and he's calling for Medicaid reform, Medicaid. And uh, he's uh, uh, appointed a, a head of uh, de- division of Department of Environmental Quality, a uh, a, a hardcore environmental activist uh, with a lot of experience in uh, at a federal regulatory level in working with industry. So um, that is what that appointment really stood out. So on the one hand, he's kind of he's got people near and dear to him, 
he's kind of playing in, playing the, the insider game, but he's he's saying I'm going to put up a fight too. Yeah. So uh, Michael Regan is it Regan? Re- uh, Regan is, is yeah. his uh, pick for DEQ, which is a uh, big turnaround or would be a big turnaround uh, from Donald Vandervart, who was the uh, DEQ secretary under McCrory. Um, what do you know so far about Michael Regan? Well, we know he used to work for the EPA, which is now the devil incarnate for some Republicans. Uh, and certainly the McCrory administration had a lot of trouble with what they considered federal overreach on re- uh, water and air regulations. Uh, so he was a member of the EPA. He was a high-ranking official in the Emir- Environmental Defense Fund. And we're already seeing some pushback on that from agricultural and conservative interests that that they're worried that he's going to, uh, you know, push a radical agenda. It's it's a it, it is a 180 from from Vandervart, who had strong feelings and uh, about overregulation and definitely led the administration's charge uh, uh, against it. So, but Reagan is uh, is not just some um, ivory tower uh, green kind of guy. He's he's really like I said worked with industry. He knows. I mean that's what his whole job has been is kind of finding stakeholders and that's what he said he would do. Look. F- when he, you know, reach out to the General Assembly leadership, find common ground and see what can be built on and, you know, that kind of the kind of thing they always say. But I but it's, you know, I, I think that's his I think that's what we know about him so far. And so we should say, how, how will this work uh, now that we've got uh, a, a law that's potentially going to be in place, although it's still tied up in the courts, um, making Cooper's cabinet uh, picks subject to. Uh, the Senate's oversight. So uh, can he go ahead and fill his cabinet for now? Uh, How is this going to work? Well, this is sort of the interesting part of this is Cooper took office uh, with zero cabinet members uh, appointed on Sunday. Uh, He's since appointed, uh, I think, three different of uh, the cabinet members, which leaves about uh, seven or eight uh, positions still left to fill. But in the meantime, these agencies still do have leadership. He has appointed interim secretaries uh, to each of these agencies, typically people who have served in similar capacities in a previous Democratic administration. So those people are there. They're the interims. He is now appointing the permanent people, and those folks are supposed to go through the Senate confirmation process. Now, the Senate doesn't yet know exactly what this is going to look like. The word we're hearing is that it may be similar to what the U.S. Senate does with presidential uh, confirmation stuff, but we're going to learn more about that uh, next week. The legislature comes back on Wednesday uh, just for sort of a brief uh, ceremonial uh, opening session, Uh, and part of that is usually a a fairly dull process of them adopting their rules for the session. Uh, My understanding from folks in the Senate is that the Senate rules will include uh, sort of an outline of how this confirmation process is going to work. Uh, So we'll have a better sense then for for how this is going to play out. Um, But what's interesting to look at with the uh, appointments is that uh, if for some reason, the Senate opts to uh, sort of decline one of his cabinet appointments. It would seem to me that the likely outcome in the short term is that the interim uh, cabinet person continues to be the interim agency head until Cooper nominates somebody else, and then that person goes through the process. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how contentious this gets. Uh, The other missing piece uh, flying out there, and this is something that there's another thing to look for next week is uh, Governor Cooper uh, answered one of my questions uh, on Thursday at a, at a press conference um, about uh, plans for future lawsuits. Obviously, he's already suing over uh, one piece of the law involving the, the State Board of Education and the, the Superintendent of Public Instruction. 
Uh, but there are other aspects of, of this change, most notably the Senate confirmation process. He's suing over the elections board. Uh, and the election, oh, sorry, the election yeah, right. board suing the state board of ed is a separate lawsuit that I believe does not involve the governor directly. Uh, certainly would involve some of his appointees, uh, potentially. Uh, but one aspect that he's not sued over is this uh, issue of Senate confirmation, as well as the number of state uh, workers that he has the power to hire and fire. That number has been dropped from 1,500 to 425. So I asked him uh, the other day, you know, is this going to be the subject of a lawsuit? And he said, uh, we will be filing something next week. Uh, he would not say exactly which provisions he intends to challenge, uh, but the timing could be such that they could seek uh, some sort of injunction similar to what they've sought successfully this week with the State Board of Elections to sort of freeze uh, the current system in place and prevent uh, this law from, from taking effect and reorganizing how some of these boards and some of these appointments work. Uh, so what he could be seeking to do before Wednesday when the Senate comes back uh, is to get something that from a judge that says, uh, actually, while we sue over this whole Senate confirmation process, we're putting the thing on hold. And in the meantime, Cooper can appoint his people and then we'll we'll figure it out later. So that's another moving piece to, to watch out for. So it's possible we, we might not see Senate confirmation hearings initially um, if Cooper decides to sue and the judge sides with him on that. So lots to watch. It, it also sets up an interesting uh, <clears throat> uh, scenario that kind of picks up where McCrory left off with his uh, nose to nose with the legislature over uh, separation of, of powers. And uh, uh, he sued over the uh, Coal Ash Commission when the legislature tried to create a separate independent commission. Some of these same themes are being echoed, I think, in these lawsuits. And I think he may have the hardest time on a separation of powers constitutional challenge to the Senate confirmation process, because that is something that Republican legislators have pointed out is mentioned in the state constitution. It's a, it's a process that um, for many decades now the uh, legislature has chosen not to go through with, but it's, it's something that they have more of an option to and more of a precedent for than perhaps some of the other uh, changes that have been put out there in these laws. Any other thoughts, Colin or Craig, about the cabinet so far? Uh, other than that DEQ appointee, it seems like he's been mostly turning to people who've been in previous Democratic yeah, administrations. Yeah, so the other ones were uh, Jim Trogdon at uh, NC Department of Transportation. That's a guy who uh, worked in DOT for many years, uh, most recently under Governor Bev Perdue um, in a fairly high-level role. Um, and then the other one was announced this week in a separate uh, uh press conference on Thursday was um, Eric Hooks to lead the Department of Public Safety. And Hooks is a longtime, I think career-long, um, State Bureau of Investigation agent, uh, previously was a assistant director at the SBI uh, back when Cooper's attorney general office was running the SBI before that agency was moved over to the governor's control. So all of this uh, seems to be, I guess with the exception of Reagan, is, uh, is folks who uh, have a long career in, in state government, uh, were, were close associates of Roy Cooper in the past. So he's he's not doing what McCrory has done of, uh, in the past of, of moving outside state government, finding private sector folks to lead a lot of agencies or, or people with experience in other states or, or at the federal level. Uh, it's, it's a lot of uh, sort of state government stalwarts who are, are going into some of these top aid roles uh, in the Cooper administration so far. And uh, not only that, the uh, his legal counsel, I'm forgetting his name, McKinney or something like that, was uh, was actually has actually only been a lawyer for three years, and he uh, uh, and he was at the Department. But of he Justice, was at the Department yeah, of so. Justice, some kind of aid in some kind of aid role to McCrory for a long time. So to Cooper, somebody yeah. he feels comfortable with, obviously. Yeah. So that's that, and that guy was interesting because I think he also wrote a book about North Carolina barbecue. barbecue that's so right. Yeah. He may well, be an interesting subject to uh, to interview at some point. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll come back and right away and we'll just talk more about what Cooper's been up to in his first week. Uh, stay with us. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's wireless companies, and the National Safety Council. And Domecast is back. Uh, it's been an eventful first week for the Cooper administration. Uh, Lynn, the governor... Uh, made a surprise announcement at a business group's meeting uh, saying that he was going to pursue uh, Medicaid expansion. We knew this was something that he strongly supported during the campaign, uh, but it wasn't, at least to me, it wasn't really clear that there was any avenue for him to do that. Uh, so how is he doing that? Well, it's still not clear, but he said that today he is going to ask the Obama administration uh, for an amendment to the state Medicaid plan to expand Medicaid um, under the Affordable Care Act. Um, that would, if there is an expansion, would add, um, he said, up to 650,000 people to Medicaid, um, but more conservative estimates put it at about 300,000. But in any case, uh, add more people, mostly um, uh, low-income adults uh, who now don't qualify to the uh, government insurance plan. Um, he presented it at this business meeting as an economic development um, proposition. Um, there have been studies saying that the state would have more to gain economically than it would have to lose um, because of the increased um, uh, spending on health care and the additional jobs, etc. Um, it's not clear that he will be able to do this. We have a state law passed in uh, three years ago, three or four years ago now, that says that um, Medicaid cannot expand unless the legislature says it's okay. Um, and uh, But Cooper made it clear that he doesn't think that, he thinks that law um, uh, intrudes on executive authority. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens if uh, the Obama administration in the waning days of the Obama administration, if they agree to an expansion, and what happens after that. I mean, we're closing the window on the Obama administration. Um, I spoke to someone who said that, yeah, there is still time for an approval, but, um, you know, the congressional Republicans uh, are on a fast track to try to uh, repeal uh, the Affordable Care Act. And it's unclear to me that there would be time to expand and get people uh, enrolled um, in an expanded Medicaid uh, before it's partially repealed, entirely repealed. You know, who knows what's going to happen in Washington. Uh, and with um, Trump coming in, who was also uh, promised to repeal uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, um, I'm I'm not sure that uh, what um, Cooper has said he wants will actually be achieved. It sounds like he must have been in talks with the Obama administration on this uh, 
for some time, right? This is not something that he's suddenly hoping to get approved in 15 days or well, whatever well, that's, it is. Until well, that's Trump- the thought. Um, but um, as I said, we don't know, uh, even if they do approve it, if there's going to be time to actually put it into effect. And it sounds like now federal officials are going to be getting two letters or whatever form this takes. They're going to be getting something from Cooper, and they're going to be getting something from legislative leaders saying, no, don't do this. Right, Right. yeah, he's he's breaking the law. So uh, there's going to be uh, a lot to consider. But who knows whether um, the legislative leaders' letters are going to have any impact. I mean, this is, at this point, the um, plan amendments are – uh, in the hands of the Obama administration. So uh, technically, there's still time for them to sign off on it. Okay. Uh, we've had uh, Medicaid was just one of a number of promises that uh, Cooper made on the campaign trail. And Will, you're tracking his promises and uh, how he fulfills them now that he's governor. Uh, what are some of the notable ones? Yeah, um, actually, this is a good timing for the podcast because today we actually just launched the Coupo Meter from PolitiFact, which is going to be tracking about... Uh, Trademark patent pending. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, close to close to 40 promises that he made um, on the campaign trail. And you're right, Medicaid was one. Uh, so that's something we'll be keeping an eye on what happens with that, whether that, you know, ends up happening, whether it's through the Affordable Care Act or, you know, maybe even some other, you know, forum down the road. Who knows? Um uh, obviously, you know, there were the, the usual suspects, repeal HB2. Um, he also said he was going to work to bring back some of the jobs that were lost due to HB2. Um, you know, obviously there were uh, over over 1,000 jobs that various companies pulled out of the state in addition to all the concerts and everything that made the news. Um, looked at some other, uh, really education was a big theme of his. He talked about um, he wants to create a plan to make community college tuition-free. Um, that'll be a big one that we'll look at. I, I believe Bev Perdue made a similar promise when she ran for governor, um, and obviously that never happened. Um, but there was no PolitiFact North Carolina back then to uh, <laughs> to hold her feet to the fire on it. So, so how do you uh, how do you decide whether these uh, goals are met? What are the the sort of rankings of promises? Right now, they're all sitting at uh, not yet. Uh, considered or whatever right yeah is, if but... you if people go onto our website right now it's going to look pretty boring everything's just going to be kind of gray and it's going to say not yet rated um in the coming weeks months years we will be upgrading them at first to either in the works or stalled kind of depending on you know how much progress he has made either you know individually or working with the legislature or working with the you know right state agencies and then Eventually, once they actually get fi- finished up, uh, however it turns out, we'll rate them as, uh, you know, whether whether he reached a compromise on the promise or um, if it was a, a broken promise or a kept promise. And so that that's the uh, the, the final uh, stage of life for these promises. A lot of people probably think that the governor can come in and do all these promises, fulfill all these promises and, uh, you know, uh, do, do whatever he wants. But as, as anybody who was sort of following HB2 knows, the legislature is kind of in the driver's seat on a lot of these things. So how do you take that into account that uh, he's going to be at odds with the Republicans in the legislature on a lot of these uh, promises? Yeah, he, he's definitely going to be at odds with the Republicans in the legislature. Um, but by the same token, uh, he knew that when he was making the promises. And so, you know, PolitiFact 
really just looks at the the end result and you know obviously when we're writing up the the articles uh you know they they tend to note whose fault it was you know for various things uh for instance on the national level politifact's been doing this with uh president obama and uh the affordable care act which we've been talking about at length today that was rated as a uh as a compromised promise of his because he had promised a lot more on the campaign trail but then republicans in congress you know ultimately kind of uh pared it down before it passed so and is there going to be a trump meter too there is there will What's be a trump meter being considered uh, on the trump meter do you know uh i it has building a wall it publicly launched yeah definitely build the wall is one of them i i think they're actually uh he, he had made the promise to uh to bring back merry christmas uh <laughs> so I, I don't know how you measure that i don't know if that'll make it into the uh the final trump meter that one hasn't been launched yet uh we uh we went a little bit early because Cooper got sworn in before, before Trump did. It's still a few Merry more weeks Christmas before he is. Achieved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. Banner on the back of the uh, right. aircraft carrier. Right. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, you know we we didn't have any silly ones like that on the Cooper meter. Unfortunately, he was uh, you know he. Roy Cooper is not quite as uh, entertaining on Twitter as Donald Trump is. I guess entertaining is one word for it. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, we will, unless there's anything else to be said about the Coupo meter, uh, we will No, be... everyone just go check it out at yeah. politifact.com slash right. North Carolina. Shameless plug. All right, uh, we'll be right back with Headliner of the Week. Who is your Headliner of the Week? Who is your Headliner of the Week? Who is your Headliner of the Week? Headliner of the week. And we are back with Headliner of the Week. Uh, We are going to uh, all go around the circle today. We have an extra big circle, and we're all crammed into this tiny little room in the N&O building. Uh, So uh, if you hear any shuffling and uh, bumping, uh, that's uh, that's what's happening. We're all trying to get to uh, fewer mics than there are people. Um, Okay, so Lynn, who's your Headliner of the Week? I'm going to pick Helena over the cliched Mother Nature. Uh, Helena, the um, the winter storm that's uh, bringing chaos to the inaugural plans here in the state capitol and has uh, people um, really, not just statewide, but uh, throughout the, the region uh, worried about being snowed in, uh, everybody clamoring for gasoline, uh, bread, and milk. So I'm going to, uh, to pick the, the snowstorm as my headliner. Okay, winter storm Helena, uh, least, favorite, uh, least favorite lady of the Raleigh Junior League. Uh, Colin, who is your headliner of the week? Well, I'm going with Governor Roy Cooper for obvious reasons. That needs <laughs> no more up. explaining. Yeah, okay. the entire podcast was an explainer for that, so I probably don't need to reiterate it. <laughs> We've given you enough airtime, Governor. Okay, Craig, uh, who is your headliner of the week? Well, speaking of the storm, I'm going to go with the uh, Junior Club of Raleigh. Through uh, the, uh, what seems like on the outside insurmountable challenges, they uh, <laughs> acted kind of nonplussed, and yeah, we got it under control. They're you know, implementing plan F or Q or something at this point, like as if they expected, you know, they had all these scenarios mapped out because um, they haven't shown any uh, pessimism if, 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 if that's the case. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be pretty tired before the weekend's out. 
All right. The Junior League <coughs> of uh, Raleigh or Junior League of North Junior League Raleigh. of Raleigh, yeah. I guess. Yes. Okay. Well, then they've they've been planning an event that's probably been months or years in the I making think it's only years. to I think get it's their uh, main purpose for existing almost <laughs> practically <laughs> only to uh, get pummeled yeah. uh, by Helena. Okay. Um, Will, last your last up, who is your headliner of the week? I will nominate uh, Senator Phil Berger. I was in contact a lot earlier in the week uh, with his office regarding uh, the new law about the cabinet appointees when that was all still kind of up in the air. And it really is still kind of up in the air, just trying to figure out exactly how it's going to happen, you know, whether or not, as we talked about earlier, if it's constitutional. So, uh, you know, he, uh, as the leader of the Senate, is going to kind of lead these uh, hearings on the cabinet appointees, and I'm sure we will be uh, seeing and hearing a lot more from him. All right. We've got uh, Senator Phil Berger, uh, Governor Roy Cooper, the Junior League, and uh, Winter Storm Helena, uh, all in the hat for headliner of the week. I'm going to go with the Raleigh Junior League uh, because, uh, after all, we only get to talk about them once every four, four years, years, if yeah. if then. Uh, so this is their moment to shine. So uh, so shine, Junior League. We'll we'll see what happens. I'm still skeptical that this ball isn't going to be you never uh, completely canceled at the last <laughs> we'll see. minute. Uh, but but uh, as I think about it, just to give them their due credit, they also stage candidate forums. They do do other things during the year, uh, Junior League things. But uh, they, they uh, are a very active organization. Well, they also have uh, Craig dressed very nicely today uh, oh, for, for our others. podcast, which unfortunately <laughs> no one can see. But he's over here in a vest and a tie, and the rest of us are just wearing jeans. We're in disaster <laughs> casual. <laughs> and I don't know where I'm going, so I'm ready for everyone. Possibly. Craig's sort of in a three-piece suit or the vest version of a three-piece suit here in this, uh, in this lovely room we're in. Uh, so, uh, he's dressed up to accept his headliner of the week award. Uh, if you want to give a, a I'd thanks, li- I'd like to thank acceptance all my speech. supporters. Yes. Yes. Okay. Newsmakers that I've come across this week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it for Domecast, uh, for Craig Jarvis, Lynn Bonner, Will Dorn and Colin Campbell. I'm Jordan Schrader. Thanks a lot for listening and catch us next week. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.